Turn with me to first, if I hadn't told you, first Peter chapter one. We're going to jump into a very short series over the next uh, four weeks. We're going to be talking about winning attitudes, winning attitudes. You just saw a display of, uh, of a lack of humility. Uh, and we're going to, we'll probably talk about humility because that is a powerful attitude to have, uh, in navigating this life. So first Peter chapter one, beginning verse number six. Okay. Peter writes and he says, in this, <coughs> pardon me, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Everybody say various. Various trials. That, it, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. Now, last week I finished up the series on um, weighed down, and we talked, about, we talked about weights that have the potential of slowing us down, hindering our race. Remember, Hebrews says that we are to run our race. Running is an active word. It's, it, it, it's a verb. It means movement. And so we should be running our race. Every day we should be running the race that God has marked out for us. And I said that if we're going to be efficient and effective at running our race, then we have to unload certain things. But here's the thing. If, if we take something out, we need to put something in. Nature abhors a vacuum. It will be filled with something. That's why you have people today that are roaming to and fro. They're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? You know, they're trying to find satisfaction. They're trying to find contentment. They're trying to find all of these things that only can come from a relationship with God. So they're experimenting with all kinds of things, looking to fill the void. There's a God-shaped vacuum in all of us that cannot be filled by the vices of men. But if I take, so if I take something out, I've got to put something in. In Colossians 3, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he instructed the believers that they are to take off certain attitudes and behaviors that belonged to their earthly nature. Now, you do know you still have an earthly nature, right? You don't believe me? Get backed up in traffic and see who comes out. <laughs> There's an earthly nature, and that earthly nature is constantly warring with the spirit man. That's why Paul said, I die daily. It was a, it was a daily crucifixion because that, that flesh, it's, we're, always, we're in the flesh, we're here. So Paul said, you're to take off certain behaviors and attitudes that belong to your earthly nature. And he instructs them to clothe themselves or to put on other attitudes. Uh, Paul wrote to the Philippian believers in chapter 2, verse 15. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is he talking about there? In the context, Paul is talking about the attitude of Jesus. You see, we have to remember that the standard is not another believer. How many's ever been disappointed by looking at another believer? Every one of us have. You know, there have been famous people, famous preachers on TV. I, I remember, and I, I just share this story with you. I grew up in a time when, when uh, Jimmy Swagger, and he's doing a phenomenal job right now, but I, I remember growing up, Jimmy Swagger was not far from from Mobile, and, and uh, he, you know, my parents, they, you know, they were uh, all in Jimmy Swagger crusades and TV shows and stuff like that, and again, I, he's doing it, God has done some incredible things through his ministry, doing phenomenal work today, yeah. but I remember I was in Germany when he had his situation that happened there in, in the late 80s. In fact, we had grown up with him being kind of the pillar of the Christian evangelistic movement. Um, and, and again, I, I, I loved hearing him preach. I loved the singing. And my parents, my dad in particular, was very worried about me because, again, everybody held him up to a really, really, really high standard. And when, that, when news of what had happened broke, my dad calls me and he said, son, are you okay? And I said, dad, I, I'm fine. I said, he was just a man. He was just a man. And I said, the Bible says we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And I said, we are all prone to failure. And we're all prone to falling and sinning against the Lord. And I was fine with that. And, 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 and I just use that as an illustration because we have to watch out. There are many people that we look up, we elevate, we put on a pedestal. 
Uh, but the reality is the standard is not some other believer. It's not Sunday school Sally or Deacon Dan or an Elder Eddie. That's not the comparison. That's not who I'm trying to ascribe to to be. The standard has always been Jesus. Because there will be people that will let, there will be, there will be good believers that will let you down. There'll be people that will cop a, sa- a sour attitude and they'll treat you poorly. The standard's not somebody else, it's Jesus. I think every one of us have heard the old adage, our attitude affects our altitude. Well, if you hadn't, I'm telling you today. Our, our attitude affects our altitude. In other words, our mindset plays a huge role in our daily lives. And what that means is bad thinking leads to bad living. Stinking thinking doesn't produce anything good. And, and that's more than a PMA. That's more than positive mental attitude. This is proper thinking anchored in the reality of God's Word. Again, we've got to anchor our thought processes in the truthfulness of His Word because every one of us are hit constantly with emotional stuff. And I can either live by my emotions or I have to live by faith. How many know your emotions? The Bible said the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible says the way of a man is not within himself. It's not in a man who walks to determine his path. In other words, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to get from point A to point B. So so what I'm saying is that if I anchor in the truthfulness of his word, there are times I may not feel saved, but the Bible says, confess, you are saved. I may not feel close to the Lord, but the Bible says, draw near and I'll draw near to you. The Bible says I'll never leave you. So again, I I have to wrestle with that constantly. You know, we, uh, in his book, Strengthening Your Grip, Chuck Swindoll said it like this, and I quote, he said, attitude is the most important, it's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance. It's more important than giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change, pardon me, we cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string that we have, and that is the attitude that we have, end quote. Isn't that the truth? I'm not in charge of what people do around me. I'm not in charge of bad attitudes. I'm not in charge of the circumstances that are beyond my my purview. I'm I'm not in charge of that. I am, however, in charge of my reaction to all of those things that take place. I am in charge of that. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at cultivating a winning attitude. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the attitude of perseverance. Perseverance. I think it ties in very nicely with our series last week. I preached on fear last week and how to get rid of the excess weight of fear. And, and the reason I think it's important is because, again, you take something out, you need to put something in. And, and the reality is there are too many folks that have been sidelined in running their race that God has called them to. We've got to start cultivating a winning attitude and, uh, and, and keep running our race until he calls us home. You know, Webster defines pre- perseverance like this to persist or to stand in a state or enterprise or undertaking in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. Did you get that? If you learn to persevere, you stand against the tide. I tell everybody my analogy is that we are like salmon. You ever watch one of those nature shows? When a salmon gets ready to spawn, that salmon will swim upstream. Now, it's, it's difficult. I mean, it is absolutely difficult for those salmon. Uh, again, if you've ever been in a, a kayak or a canoe or something like that, and you're trying to go against the stream, it's hard. But these salmon are programmed by God that when, it's come time, when it comes time to spawn, they have a homeland, if you will, where they have their babies, where they spawn. And they will not allow anything to stand in their way until they get to that. So they, they were, they're going upstream. They're swimming over waterfalls, uh, up waterfalls, that is, okay? And even if they find themselves in a calm cool, uh, pool of water, if that's not home, they don't stop. They keep going up 
and that's us. See, perseverance is what a salmon does. Perseverance is that, is that, it's like a, it's like that old adage that says, be like a postage stamp, stick to it until you get there. I like that. You know, nowadays it takes a lot more than one stamp to get somewhere, but anyway, (laughs) you know, but the idea is still the same. Stick to something until you get there. Listen, we're running our race. Stick to that race until he calls us home or the trumpet sounds. That's it. That's perseverance. You know, believers, we've been called to stand regardless of the opposition or counter-influences of the day. And by the way, there is a lot of counter-influences. We are against the tide. We're not with the tide. Only dead fish go with the tide. We're against it. And it will always be like that. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And the Bible says the friendship with the world is enmity with God. So there's constantly going to be that rub, and I promise you it's going to get any more pronounced in these coming uh, years as the Lord prepares his return. Hebrews 12, again, tells us to throw off the negative attitudes and the negative weights and run with perseverance or to run with endurance, the race that has been marked out for us. Perseverance is a major theme in the New Testament. I think we would all agree that the Christian life is not a stroll in the park. Anybody figured that out yet? It's not, it's not a stroll in the park. I wish I could stand up every Sunday and say, you know what, if you make Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you'll never have another bad day. You'll never have another bad experience. You'll never have another overdrawn check. You'll never, never have to go see the doctor again. I wish I could say that, but I can't. Because all through Scripture, we're told over and over and over again, in the world, you will have tribulation. You can't read the Bible without coming to grips with the fact that that we're told over and over again, difficult days are going to be a constant part of our life. So we need to develop perseverance. We need to develop the attitude that says, I'm going to hang in tough until I get to where God wants me to be. Developing perseverance or the ability to stand tough when everything is imploding around us is vital to our spiritual well-being. There's been too many good people that have started their race that, that... Tough days came and knocked the legs out from under them, and they're still sidelined on their race right now. That's one of the reasons we do friend day is because I tell you to go after people who have, that are on the fringe, people that have disassociated themselves with the body because of one thing or another. We see that all the time. President Calvin Coolidge said it like this. He said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. (laughs) Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is filled with educated derelicts. (laughs) Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. And then he closes. He said, the slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. End quote. When I was in the military, we had, a, we, had, we had a saying, and some of you probably heard me say this from time to time, and that saying is steady on. Steady on. Amen. That's what it means. It just means keep going. Keep going. When, when you're being deployed and you're having to pack up that rucksack and run, and run, run walk, crawl, whatever you've got to do to get to point A to point B, steady on. Steady on. You just keep going. You just keep putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, until you get to where you're going. And, and that's, the, that's the call of the Christian life, is that when we accepted Christ as our Lord, Lord and Savior, our job is to be steady, to keep moving forward. Paul said, I forget these things, but I press towards that thing. Amen. Forgetting those things behind me, I press for what's ahead of me, and I keep running, I keep striving, I keep pursuing until I get to where God wants me to be. You know, I love our text this morning, 1 Peter is a very powerful letter written to believers. You've got to understand the context. He's writing to a group of people who were going through some difficult days. You see, they had converted out of Judaism. Uh, It wasn't very popular uh, at that time because uh, Christians were looked at as being uh, kind of a thorn in the side of Rome, a thorn in the side of the Judaism, uh, the the Jewish religion. And, And so Peter's writing to a group of people that are going through a really, really tough time. And so what he does is he writes to them and he reminds them that even though things were tough, they've been chosen by God. Notice what he uh, he talks about. You read read his letter. 
even though they're going through difficult times, even though they're being persecuted because of their faith, they have been chosen by God and they have a hope that has been anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen, in, in about five weeks, six weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter. It is, the, it is, it is uh, how many of you have seen our sign? Anybody seen our billboard driving downtown yet? Boy, you, you guys don't have spatial awareness. <laughs> if you're driving towards the courthouse, right by Goodwill, look up. We have a sign there, a billboard we've had for, I don't know, many years. And we changed it just a few weeks ago, and it's the, it shows the tomb, and in the back, the cross, and it says on top, this changes everything. Amen. It changes everything. Listen, Peter's saying, look, you've been chosen by God and your hope is in, grounded, anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Notice, notice what Peter says uh, in our text. He said, you have been grieved by various trials. Some versions say distressed, but that's a good word too. You've been distressed by various things. The word various means multicolored, multicolored. What Peter's acknowledging to the believers is like, hey, look, I know you're going through all kinds of challenges. Listen, it could, be, it, could be, it could be whatever on the spectrum. You're going through many challenges as we, and, and we will go through many challenges as we journey through this life. And he's not just talking about persecution. He's talking about health issues. He's talking about money problems. He's talking about family problems, work problems, and a myriad of other problems. He's saying, look, in the world, you're going to struggle with these things. I'm not one of those name it, claim it guys, okay? I'm a realist. In the world, you're going to have problems. You're going to go through tough times. The wind will sometimes be against you. It will be in your face. It won't be pushing you to your destination. It will be trying to hinder you from getting from point A to point B. That's what life is about. So how do we develop this winning attitude of perseverance? Peter gives us three principles to help us persevere or endure. Number one, he wants us to understand that tough times are temporary. Everybody say temporary. temporary. Now think about this. Notice the little phrase in verse 6. I love this. Notice the little phrase there in verse 6 when he's talking about the various trials that we deal with. Notice that he says, for a little while. Did you see that? For a little while. Don't miss that. Listen, your tough time, our tough times, they didn't come to stay. They came to pass. Our problems won't last forever. They won't last forever. I, and I, I can hear your objection right now. Well, preacher, I, I've been dealing with this addiction all my life. Or I've had this attitude since I was a teenager. About time you grew out of it, don't you think? <laughs> or I, I've struggled financially all my life. See, here's what happens. When we look at our problems, here's what we do. They don't seem small to us. And I'm not minimizing anybody's problems. Please, don't read between the lines. There's nothing there. I'm not minimizing the pain that you're going through. I'm not minimizing health issues, money issues, relational issues. I'm not minimizing all of any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is that when we go through things, they're not small. And they're not temporary. In fact, in our view, they are huge with a capital H. <laughs> They, they don't seem temporary, right? Amen. But the reality is, listen to me, it's just a matter of perspective. It really is a matter of perspective. Think about this. When you go outside here in a, in a little bit, find the sun, okay? The S-U-N. <laughs> take out a quarter. Isn't it amazing that you can take a quarter and you can hold that thing up to the sun and you can almost block it out? Isn't it amazing? I mean, think about it. This, this quarter that's less than an inch and this massive fireball that's millions of miles away, you can take a quarter, and if you bring that quarter close to your eye, you can absolutely block out all the sun. Now, think about that with your problems. See, that's the way it is with our problems. We, we when you focus intently on that small, that problem, you miss everything else, right? We lose perspective. There's no way that that quarter could block out the sun. It's just a fraction uh, of, of, of the size. But again, if you bring it in to your focus, everything else disappears. 
See, that's what happens. When you and I start going through tough times, all of this stuff disappears and we zoom in on that issue and we focus on it and we lose perspectives. You see, our problems seem much bigger than what they really are. Again, I'm not minimizing it, but I, I got you to understand from perspective, we need to think in terms of eternity. Listen, we, we, we lose perspective and that problem seems much bigger than it really is. Our problems are temporary. Listen to me, our darkest hour is just before the dawn. A new day will, will dawn and the sun will come up tomorrow. Didn't she sing that? The sun will come up tomorrow. You can bet your bottom dollar. It's, it's going to come up. A new day is going to dawn, okay? New mercies every morning. Listen, and, and those dark clouds that you have right now, they will fade away. It's a matter of perspective. I mean, think about the biggest... Anybody got any problems today? Yeah? Okay. Two or three of you do. I'm glad the rest of you are so blessed. God bless you. Think, think, think about your biggest problem that you're facing right now. Now, remind yourself it's not going to be like this forever. It's not going to be like this forever. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse number 18, he said... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You know what Paul's trying to do right there? Change your perspective. I, again, I'm not minimizing how difficult things are. I'm not minimizing how rough and how tough it is and how painful it is. Listen, I live with my challenges every single day. Every single day I live with challenges that uh, uh, I, I was telling in early service. I mean, Sheila is at this point 11 years after her stroke. And her body, because she can't walk and she, uh, she can't exercise, you know, her body, your body, you need to exercise. If you want to feel better, get off the couch and go start moving. That's a different sermon, by the way, but anyway. But your body is designed to, to be active, to, to, again, the idea of running, but she can't. And so what's happened is her body is contorting. So, so what that means is she's drawing her body's I, I told her the, not long ago, I said, you know, when I married you, you were five foot two or three. I said, now you're about four foot zero. Because <laughs> her body's shrinking, it's contorting. Her hips, and there's not anything they can do. Uh, her hips are turning inward because she can't use them. And so what that means is you and I, when we stand, most people stand with their feet shoulder width apart. She can't do that. She stands like this. Her knees are locked. It's like a weeble that wobbles, and I have to hold her or she'll fall down, right? What, and I'm, I'm just telling you that because, uh, I mean, there are tough things that happen, and I'm not, I'm not doing that for sympathy because we've been in this a long time. When we were in Dominican Republic a few weeks ago, as we were sitting in the airport to come home, the missionary, uh, one of the missionaries' wives came over to us. We've known her for a long time, and they walked over to us and said, hey, every, there was about 100 different pastors and their wives there. And they came over and said, hey, just want you to know, everybody's talking about you guys. I thought, you know, do I got broccoli in my teeth? What's the matter? You know, just like, what's up? And she said, no, they are amazed at how you have to. So I, I told you when they came to pick us up to go to the airport, I thought they were going to bring us a car that I could just roll her in. They brought a bus with three steps up and three steps down. And my son-in-law wasn't there. So this 57-year-old man has to reach down. <laughs> yeah, she remembers it. <laughs> I do too. I'm still hurting because of it. I have to reach down, pick her up like a sack of potatoes and climb up those stairs to get her on the stairs. And I have to do that coming down. It's tough. It's tough. But here's the thing. <laughs> it ain't funny. I'm still... <laughs> She said, they just marvel that you would take trips like this How difficult with it being as difficult as it is. And I said, you know what? I said, but for us, I said, if my light can shine into somebody else's darkness, because it is tough. Every one of us have our challenges. Every one of us have things that, that, are weigh, that, that weigh on us that are, are, again, very difficult. But what do we do? We persevere. We get up. We do what it... I told her, I said, you know what? I said, until she is unable to do that, until she is bedridden, we're going to do as much as we can. I said, because there'll be a day, unless God intervenes, there'll be a day where we can't do that anymore. And I said, you know what? 
as long as I'm in good health, or relatively good health, I am in good health, I'm messing with you. As long as I'm in good health and I'm able to do that, I said, we'll, we'll keep doing it. I said, because you know what, if somebody else can see and say, you know what, that's amazing. Every one of us has that, we have things. Yeah. We persevere. Yeah. We push through. We, we steady on. Paul said, hey, I consider what we got going on right now, it's not even a blip on the radar when we get on the other side. Again, for us, this is as bad as it will ever be. If you're a believer this morning in Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, this is as bad as it will ever be because we have the hope of heaven when we get over there. No more sickness, no more dying, no more crying in that place. You know what? I'm looking forward to heaven because I won't have to push a wheelchair anymore. I won't have to officiate a funeral. I won't have to visit a hospital. See, Paul's saying, look, folks, this present suffering that you're in right now, get, your, get a different perspective. Change your lenses in which you view things. When I was about 45, maybe, maybe 40, I don't even remember now, I, I noticed that the words on the page of my Bible were getting a little blurry. And as much as I tried not to admit it, I had to go get helpers. I've been at that now for... 12 plus years or whatever, and, and my helpers need helpers now. <laughs> and it's amazing when you change the lens how clear things become. Isn't it? When you change the lens, it's amazing how clear things become. That's what Paul said. Look, change the lens in which you look at your challenges. Because this present suffering, as hard and as difficult as it is, won't even be a blip on your radar when you get there. God doesn't promise an easy life because he knows we live in a fallen world that's marred by sin. Sin hurts, sin destroys. But listen, our future home is more wonderful than we can even imagine. Number two, Paul, uh, Peter says, you know, he kind of reminds him, look, tough times don't have to make you miserable. Anybody get grumpy when times are tough? <laughs> I see some wives throwing elbows right now. <laughs> You get grumpy when things are tough. I, I love, notice what Peter says again in verse number six. He said, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you might have to suffer some grief. Say, what? I read that and I'm like, what? Rejoice in tough times? You got to be joking, right? I don't think so. Man, if I'm going through tough times, I'm going to fuss and I'm going to grumble and I'm going to whine every step of the way. <laughs> Peter said, No. Rejoice. How, how can we rejoice in those tough times? Well, it's kind of interesting. I don't really have time to develop a lot of it, but what Peter's doing in verses 6 and 7, he's contrasting the tough times that you and I experience with all that we have, verses 3 through 5, all we have in Christ, okay? So he's trying to remind them, look, look at what you have in Jesus. Now, if for a little while you have to suffer, okay, rejoice greatly. Why? Well, here's what he said we have in Christ. We have received his mer God's mercy, we have been given new birth and new life. We can live this life, he says, with a sense of hope and an optimism of the future. We don't need to be afraid of death. Why? Because Jesus conquered death. We have an eternal inheritance that cannot be destroyed. And the, and the next thing he said is we are protected by God's power until the very end of time. His point is this. If these things are true, verses 3 through 5, if these things are true, then you shouldn't allow your temporary problems to steal your joy and sour your disposition. Wow. You know what else perseverance does? It helps develop our faith. Peter goes on, notice how he puts it. He said, these things have come so that your faith, being of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though it's refined by fire, may be proved what? Genuine. Genuine. My niece was at a pet store. She saw the guinea pigs, and she said, What's a genuine pig? <laughs> he said that your, your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Listen, when you and I go through tough times, it's like gold being tested by fire. It melts it, reveals all the impurities so they can be scraped off. Tough times don't have to make us miserable. And the last one is this. Tough times mature us. Ah, that's tough. Everybody know I'm allergic to one thing. 
pain. See, you guys are good. <laughs> I'm allergic to pain. I don't like pain. I don't like any kind of pain. I always wonder, why in the world do I have to learn my lesson when things are tough? Why can't I learn lessons when things are good? Why can't I learn lessons when I have more uh, money than I have month? Why can't I learn lessons when my health is good? And You know, but that's, that's not the way it is. I mean, listen, there's a principle taught in Scripture that most folks like to avoid. I mean, we really want to avoid this thing. I wish it were not so, but it's a principle that we find over and over, and it's been played out by this great cloud of witnesses that we have surrounded us daily. And that principle is this, pain precedes growth. There's no growth without pain. In fact, weight livers, have, uh, weight livers, weight lifters, <laughs> weight lifters have a slogan. What is that slogan? No pain, no gain. I must be gaining because I hurt all over. I'm just not. No pain, no gain. You see, developing a winning attitude is a process that is often painful and uncomfortable. It is. The truth is, there there is no gain without the pain of discipleship, without the pain of perseverance, pushing through. There's no, there's no gain without the, 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 uh, the discipline of, of uh, self-denial. Remember, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's painful. Nobody wants to say no to themselves. We're going to break for lunch. And, 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 and you, you may know that going through the buffet one time is enough, but, but you don't want to do that. You want to go three or four times. Deny yourself. Deny self. I want a don't. I want a donut, but the but but the health part of me says get a rice cake. I know. I'm just <laughs> listen. Just like every workout improves the athlete a little bit. You know what? Every tough time that you and I endure, it makes us a little bit stronger. In fact, I love what James says. James chapter one. Here's the way James put it. He said, "Consider it pure joy." <laughs> oh boy. Got a challenge coming my way. Consider it pure joy whenever you face, here's what he said, trials of many kinds. There it is, various. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may, you may be, listen to what he said, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. When we go through tough times, we're to be joyful. Isn't that challenging? Again, every day, I get my wife up, I get her transferred, get her dressed, get her breakfast for her, get her medicine laid out. I don't, this is going to say, I don't mean it to come away. I don't take joy in that, if that makes sense. Now, I will serve her because I'm her husband. I committed to her until death do us part. Okay? Everybody understand? I'm not saying that because I don't, I'm just saying I take no joy in having to wait on her. I would rather her be able to get up and, and function and do all the things on her own. I would much rather that be. Where's the joy in that? Okay? Watch me. But he said, let, let it have its perfect work. So, listen, we have to be joyful not because of our difficulties, but because of what they Provide, they provide, produce in us. That's the word I'm looking for. I have to be joyful through the tough times, not because of the tough times, but because of what it produces in me. It produces something of value. Me serving my wife is, is, is taking me light years. I, 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 when, when, the Lord re, when I rededicated my life to the Lord in 1985, I feel like the Lord has tenderized my heart. But the last 11 years, he's ramped that up on steroids. Because the way I serve my wife, I just took a, between two services, uh, the early service in here, I took a, an older man, he wanted to go home, and I drove him down the road, took him to his house uh, before I came back to the service. And he said, he said, man, this is, he said, this is really nice. I got the royal treatment, you know, and just went on. I said, but that's what we're here for, brother. We're here to bear one another's burdens. We're here to serve, to take care of each other. See, what I'm saying is that when we go through tough times, we're to be joyful, not because of the difficulty, but because of what they produce in us. Tough times produce perseverance, and perseverance develops character. My prayer through all of this with Sheila and our, our challenges is, God, help us, to, help us to bear this in a way that honors you so that when people see us, they rejoice in the goodness of God. That, that, that's my prayer daily. 
Lord, help me to be a reflection. Do I wish he would heal her? Absolutely. Do I believe he could heal her? Absolutely. But until he does or if he does or whatever, I'm content. I persevered and we move forward. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, Pastor? I'm just not tough like that. Well, the good news is God is faithful. And he will not allow us to be tempted or tried beyond what we can bear. He will always wait, make a way of escape. First, First Corinthians 10, 13. See, God doesn't, God doesn't allow problems to match our strength. He allows our strength to match our problems. And then, if that wasn't enough, you know what he does? He promises that his strength is always available. Remember what he said? In your weakness, I'm strong. See, he doesn't give me, he doesn't match my strength with the problems. He matches my problems with, you know, the strength that he provides. And he says, you know what? In your weakness, when you can't do it, when everything in you says, sit down, throw your hands up, wave the flag, no moss, I'll be your strength. I'll be your strength. See, tough times are not designed to take strength from us, but to give strength to us. God doesn't promise an easy life, but he does promise that I'll be with you always. So as I wrap this up this morning, as we face tough times that will come, God offers us two things to help us to, be, to anchor in. Number one, he gives us his peace. If we're going to develop perseverance, then I've got to rely on something outside of myself. And so Paul writes in Philippians 4, said, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That just means it doesn't make an ounce of sense. The peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, there are a lot of things that are bigger than I am. I consider myself a, a tough guy. I don't want to scrap with anybody today. I'm really tired, but I consider myself a tough guy. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but there are a lot of things that are bigger than me. But there's nothing bigger than my God. See, again, there's that perspective thing. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things I'm not in control of, I'm not in charge of, I can't do. But there's not anything that my God cannot do. So when the devil comes and wants to remind you of your past and ensnare you and, and, and entangle you, just remind him of his future. Say, buddy, I read the book. We win. You don't. Yeah, I mean, I know that's cliche-ish, but that's the truth. Listen, developing perseverance is resting in his peace regardless of the storms that we might be in. The disciples are sleeping in the boat. I preached on that. He just said, peace, be still. And I love the Bible said immediately the winds, the wind ceased and the waves were calm. That's God. And number two, guys, come on back as I wrap this up. Not only does he give us his peace, but he gives us his presence. I love that. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, he said, surely I am with you always, always to the very end of the age. Where was God? On January the 2nd, 2012, as my wife was suffering a stroke in our house and transported to the hospital, where was God? He was right there with us. She gets to the hospital that day. I remember it like it happened yesterday. I, she gets to the hospital, and for the first two days, she's, she's up, she can walk. But on that third day, she couldn't move. And I went down and asked the doctor. I said, I don't understand. He said, well, picture it like this. He said, it's like a stone being plopped into a pond. He said, you have your initial explosion of, there it is. And he said, but then from there, you have ripples. And he said, what she is happen what's happening right now is there's ripples that are starting to affect her muscles and her and, and her ner ner the nerves and the neurons and all of those things that make our bodies work. And he said, that's the ripples. And he said, I don't know that they'll ever 
come back. Where was God? Right there. Right there. And you can say that about anything that you're going through right now. You know, we, we, we have a ministry, Hugs, helping understand grief service, which is a powerful ministry to help people because there, we have people that have experienced loss. It's just that pop. They have a loss. And if there's not ministry done, if there's not intervention, those ripples will, will flow out of that that will affect the rest of their lives. What about the financial? Banker shows up and says, sorry, we're going to foreclose. And it's ripples. Where's God? Surely I am with you always until the end of the age. See, God doesn't promise me an easy life, but he does promise that I'll be with you. And not only does he promise to be with me, he says, I will help you navigate the deep, dark valleys of life. We all have those. They didn't come to stay. They came to pass. And even in those deep, dark valleys of life, he makes, he prepares a table. <laughs> Think of the serenity of that scene. That in the deep, dark valleys of life, in the presence of my enemies, he prepares a table. And the master says, come and dine. In the middle of things that should disrupt us, in the middle of things that should cause us anxiety, frustrations, and fear, he said, come on and sit down at my table. In the presence of all your stuff, I've got a place for you. I'm with you always, even to the very end. We have today God for us. We have Jesus with us. And we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. Why are we troubled? Why are we troubled? Listen, there, there's not much in life today that encourages us to develop a mental toughness. It's a sad thing today. I can think of previous generations that had that tenacity and that stick to itness. Not much, not much happens today teaching mental fortitude and intestinal fortitude. In fact, I, I've said it many times, I believe that we've raised a bunch of pansies. They did, we did. We raised a bunch of pansies that expect everything on a silver platter, and they're taught that hard times are to be avoided at all costs. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches perseverance. And exhorts us to develop this winning attitude. Jesus said in Matthew 24, and I'm closing. Verse 12, he said, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. If you're in it right now, you're not going to be in it forever. You're not going to be in it forever. Ask God to help you develop that perseverance and then rest in his peace and in his presence. You have that? Come what will, will, come what may. It is well with my soul. I want you to stand with me this morning. I'd, pl I'd actually planned on doing a different attitude, but Tuesday morning I just, I just felt like, you know what, I need to, I need to do this. Perseverance. I kind of toyed between two and just, just uncertain. But having preached it twice now, I'm certain. God's calling us to develop a stick to itness that will take us till He calls us home. Whether that be through the natural process of death or whether it be through rapture, He wants us to persevere. You know, I think most of us here would have stories of living our life apart from God, right? I was raised in church, rebelled, went out in the world, lived, did my own thing. But you know what? God's grace overwhelmed me. It overwhelmed me. And when I knelt in the barracks in San Antonio, Texas in 1985, recommitted my life to Christ, I've never looked back and I've never been disappointed. Oh, I've had questions. I've had, I've not understood everything that's happened in life, but you know what? I've developed a trust that I can stand and say it is well with my soul. 
And I feel like I persevered through things that the enemy meant for evil. God did something good with it. So I'm just going to close it like this. Two things this morning. Maybe you're here and maybe Jesus is not Lord of your life. Maybe you've never confessed Christ as Lord. Maybe you have and maybe you've wandered away from him. Today, he's calling you back home. You know what? Come home. Quit running. You'll never find the peace of God until you find peace with God. See, to live outside of a relationship with Christ is enmity. There's, there's, there's friction. You've got to have peace with God first. But then once you do that, once you settle that salvation dimension, now you can have his peace. The second thing is this. Maybe here today and say, you know what, Pastor, I'm really going through some tough times. And I want God, I want to, again, you can define that how you want to. It could be merit, marital, marital, marital issues. It could be financial issues, health issues. You say, you know what, Pastor, I, I want to develop that tenacity, that perseverance to push through no matter how tough it is. As they sing this morning, I, again, I still think there's something very therapeutic and spiritual about bringing those things to the altar and leaving them here. And you're welcome. If there's a, a besetting issue that's in your life right now, you're welcome. Take one of these pads, one of these cards and write it down. Whatever that thing is, whatever you're trying to, to persevere through, you write it down. We'll be praying for it. I prayed Tuesday morning. I, I prayed for every card that was up here last week. As they sing, would you come this morning? Just come and say, Father, today, I want to develop that, that perseverance. I want to persevere through every hard time, every challenge. Go ahead. Christ is my firm foundation. He's the rock on which I stand. When everything around me shaking, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. Cause he's never let me Amen. down. Amen. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. Oh, friend. Come on, give it to him. And I've still got joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. So I won't be going under. I'm not Yes, Lord. He won't. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. He won't. He won't fail.
built on you. I'm safe with you. I'm going to make it through. Yeah, rain came when My house was built on you. I'm safe. Everything around me shaking. I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? He won't. that this morning that he won't fail you listen if you the bible says some trust in chariots and some trust in horses but we will trust in the name of the lord our god he's completely trustworthy i want i want to close by praying something while we were singing that song i really felt this in my heart if you're a couple here today husband wife listen quit with the nonsense that, 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 that's the only thing I can say. Quit with the nonsense. The enemy's coming against our families. He's coming against our children. And one of the ways he's doing that, again, I just felt the Lord impressed on me to say this, so I'm just going to say it the way I... The only way this Alabama boy can do it. He's coming after our children, but he's coming through our marriages to get to our children. Quit the nonsense. Quit bellyaching about every little thing that goes on in your household. Ma'am, he'll never be, he'll never see it or think the way you think. And vice versa, she'll never, she'll never think or see things the way you see them. God made you unique for a reason. Quit allowing those differences to be a divisive, contentious thing. And allow it now to be a complimentary thing, to build the relationship our children we have no book of marriage I mean I guess we do but you understand we, when, when, when I conduct and officiate a wedding I never give them a book that says now go out and be married here's how you do it I don't do that because there is not a book like that most people and again I don't know why I'm saying this but I'm closing I promise we're going to pray most people bring into their marriage what they've seen modeled at home the man will bring what was modeled for him. The wife will bring what was modeled for her. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's not. A lot of times it's not. 
and we come in with that baggage of not having a godly example of a husband and wife relationship in the home and we try to fight it out, slug it out and then finally we give up and say, you know what, we're done. I'm saying that we have kids today that are being attacked through the marriage. The enemy's singled in on that. And I just, again, I, I want to pray for our families today. I, I believe in the family. That's why we're doing that Friday night for couples with kids. It's important to me. So again, knock off the nonsense. Don't get bent out of shape because she burned the toast. And don't get bent out of shape because he didn't take the trash out. There are a lot more things in this world that are important than burning toast and taking trash out. I'm not saying they don't need to be done. I'm just simply saying don't make a, a mountain out of a molehill. That's my two cents worth. Father, today I've, I've done what you've asked. Lord, first of all, I speak to our families. I pray for husbands and wives in particular. Lord, I know I almost pray it every week, turn the heart of the husband to the wife and the heart of the wife to the husband. But Lord, do more than that. Lord, commitment to each other is rewarded by love that cannot be comprehended. So much of our world today, we think love is what binds the marriage together. That's not what, the, that's not what binds marriage together. Commitment binds the marriage together. Love is the reward for that commitment. Help us unequivocally commit to each other, husband to wife and wife to husband. And as we serve one another, Lord, I pray that love would be that great reward that flows out of our service to each other. Put that hedge around our families. And Lord, may our children see what's being modeled is a wholesome thing that's been authored by you. And Father, I pray as we walk out of here today that we walk out determined to persevere. Lord, to stick to it until you call us home. Lord, through every trial, every temptation, every dark day that comes our way, Lord, give us the ability to stand firm against the opposition and the counter-influences until you call us home. I ask you to go with us now. Give us a great day. May we rejoice in your faithfulness and your goodness. And Lord, should you tarry, bring us again the next appointed time. I love and bless each one now. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. I love you very much. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Everything around me shaken.
From rivers to the mountains 